This episode of Market Foolery is supported by Wonder Capital, the easiest way to invest in large-scale solar energy projects across the U.S. With Wonder, you can help finance renewable energy projects while earning up to seven and a half percent annually. To get started, visit wondercapital.com/fool. Wonder Capital, where impact investing meets capitalism. It's Thursday, February 15th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Hidden Gems, Abby Mallon. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. We've got, uh, I'm going to say broadly, travel. We've got some travel earnings in the news. We do have some travel news. news. And we've got some Shopify earnings, and we will get to that. Let's start, let's start with TripAdvisor, because I think that's the headline today. Definitely. Fourth quarter revenue looked good. It didn't really translate so much to the bottom line, but TripAdvisor's management is really, I don't want to overstate it, but they are talking like 2018 is going to be a better year than 2017. And I think that's at least part of why we're seeing shares of Trip higher today. Yeah, I mean, I think for context, it's just been a really rough two years for TripAdvisor. I was looking this morning, the stock was down almost 30% in the same time the S&P is up 40%, and that's this morning <sighs> after the gains. That's after today's gains? After today's gains. Oh, it's still bad. Yeah, it's still bad. So, I think um, good is all relative, and I think 2018 being a good year for TripAdvisor is um, perhaps not the best, most optimistic statement you could ever make. So, so what should we expect? Because I mean, just I mean, put aside what the market did in 2017. This stock fell 25 percent. You look at that that difference between TripAdvisor's performance and the market's performance. Is is this a stock that you look at and you think, yeah, they haven't been performing well, but at least the stock's valuation is reflective of that? Because we have seen the right, case where right. it's like, hey, this stock isn't doing well, and it's still really pricey. Definitely. I mean, I think there's this one's really interesting because I think there's demonstrated value on this platform. So, just for a little bit of context, they now have 600 million reviews and opinions that cover 1.2 million hotels and other lodging, 750,000 vacation rentals, 4.6 million restaurants, and 950,000 attractions. So, I mean, people definitely use this platform. Unique visitors on the website were up 17%. Average monthly unique hotel shoppers were up 3%. Um, so it's not like people aren't using this platform, and I think there's value there. It's just a matter of translating that into revenues, and then the bottom line for TripAdvisor, where they've kind of struggled. Am I the only one who finds the anthropomorphic owl on the television commercials just kind of creepy? I don't mind it. It's all knowing. It's wise. <laughs> it is. Maybe it's the fact that at least in the most recent commercial, I he takes saw, flight. He what? He flies. Yeah. No. The most recent commercial I saw, he's he's not flying. He's walking around in a bathrobe. Oh, I have seen that, and it's just like I, a little strange. Why? Why is the owl wearing the bathrobe? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I get it. <laughs> um, let's let's stick with travel. Um, Marriott uh, putting up good results in the fourth quarter. Um, I'll tell you what stood out to me. You, but first, what what stood out to you in Marriott's fourth quarter? Um, yeah. So over a year ago, Marriott merged with Starwood Hotels and Resorts, and I think. Um, you know, we're really starting to see that their competitive position is just sort of untouchable at this point. I think they've really gained strength, and I think it's definitely worked out well for them. Well, that I'm glad you mentioned that acquisition because that was one at the time that you could sort of look at and think this kind of makes sense, but it almost almost all of it hinges on the integration and right. and how well are they able to integrate it? Do do you feel like 
with this quarter, we've sort of we can close the books on that and just state unequivocally, yeah, they they manage that merger perfectly, or if not perfectly, really well. Yeah, I feel pretty confident in that. Um, ma- management broke out this quarter. They said revenue per available room rev par, which is a common metric for this industry. Rev par. Rev par. Okay. It was up 4.6%, and that outperformed the North American average of about 3.9%. So you see people paying more for these um, rooms. This is a more valuable platform. I think you know scale in this industry really matters, and I think they definitely have achieved that. That's the thing that stood out to me was the management calling out fourth quarter increased booking volume at higher prices. So Correct. not only are we booking more rooms, we're able to charge more for it. Correct. That. We saw a little bit of that also with Hilton and their most recent results, which leads me to this question. How susceptible are companies like TripAdvisor and Marriott to the overall economy? Uh, I'm assuming just directionally, hey, when times are good, when the economy is doing well, um, not just here in the United States, but in other major countries as well, people are traveling more, and so when times are good for the economy, times are good for companies like this. And I'm, I'm assuming that the opposite is also the case. How much is it the case? Like, how how much at risk are yeah are Marriott and TripAdvisor to if the economy heads south? You really have to put the brakes on whatever you're expecting out of these stocks. I think that's a good question. I don't know that I necessarily have a quantitative answer, but just from a qualitative standpoint, I think good management is aware of these challenges. I mean, you have the business traveler who's going to travel regardless, and then it's that sort of leisure traveler that's in flux. And um, hopefully, good management positions their portfolio and takes strategic opportunities like downturns to acquire at cheaper prices or things like that. But I definitely think it's a concern to be aware of. What do you use when you're traveling? When you're, when you're looking to book a hotel, how much do you use TripAdvisor? And to what extent, whether it's Marriott's platform or a general platform like Expedia, something like that, Priceline, um, where do you go as a consumer? I use Airbnb um, <laughs> as a millennial. But sorry, Marriott. Sorry, Marriott. No, I mean, I I think there's value. I mean, I definitely use TripAdvisor for reviews. I think those are really helpful. Um, not for restaurants, though. Restaurants I use Open Table. Um, but I, I mean, I think there's value across across the platform. I just I'm not sure that I'm necessarily their target customer. <laughs> so do you? I mean, is that is that a challenge for them? In particular, for Marriott, is like is is part of the challenge for not just Marriott but Hilton, any major hotel chain. Look, we we are. Targeting towards older people, and we got to figure out how to get younger people in the door. Um, yeah, perhaps that's a challenge for them. I think their uh, rewards membership programs, all of the major travel sites have those, and I think those are really important. You know, if you're incentivized to use one, you're not going to look outside of that. So, like my parents only use Marriott, so I think it's valuable. I just, it's not necessarily my. Spot. Given how much, as a consumer and an analyst, uh, you favor Grubhub, would a Marriott Grubhub partnership would that get you in the door? If Marriott's like, "Hey, we have this new partnership, and now Grubhub is going to like handle part of our room service." Funny you bring that up because that's actually been talked about on Grub calls. They really? want, yeah, they want to outsource um, room service late night, so to keep kitchens open and staffed and um, 
have all the food in there that people might or might not want. That's pretty expensive for hotels, so they've talked about maybe outsourcing it. So Grubhub would provide you know the midnight to six a.m. food or whatever. Um, I think it's interesting. I definitely I like the idea. I think it's consumer friendly. All right. Before, before we move on, I want to say thanks again to Wonder Capital. The easiest way to invest in large-scale solar energy projects across the U.S. Here's a number for you. $2.8 trillion. That's how much Bloomberg New Energy Finance estimates is going to be invested in solar energy by the year 2040. $2.8 trillion. How many zeros is that? Is that 12? Is that 12 zeros? Holy cow. With Wonder Capital's solar investment platform, investors can now take advantage of this economic opportunity. In fact, individuals like you have already financed more than 150 large-scale solar projects. They create enough electricity to power the equivalent of 5,000 homes, which helps offset almost 75 million pounds of carbon dioxide emissions every year. You can learn more by visiting wondercapital.com. And that's wonder with a U, W-U-N, wondercapital.com and find out how you can begin investing in solar energy projects while earning up to 7.5% annually and also helping in the fight against climate change. Again, wondercapital.com slash fool. Wonder Capital, where impact investing meets capitalism. Speaking of capitalism and shopping, Shopify's fourth quarter revenue grew 71%. I'm sure they reported other numbers. That's the one that leaped out to me. What, what stood out to you in Shopify's latest quarter? Yeah, in that revenue, so they have subscription revenue and merchant solutions revenue. Subscription revenues were up 67%, but merchant solutions revenue grew 74%. And this was mainly due to an increase in gross merchandise volume, which increased 65%. So this was their biggest holiday season yet, with Black Friday to Cyber Monday accounting for $1 billion of gross merchandise volume. Which, when you think about that scale, is just kind of ridiculous. It is kind of ridiculous, considering that we're not talking about a company the size of Amazon. We're talking about a a, a growing, but a thirteen billion dollar e-commerce company. Why is this stock down a little bit? Is that simply a function of the fact that it has been a hell of a great run for Shopify and Shopify shareholders over the last year? Because it's down at like three percent this morning. That's still up about 120% over the last year. Yeah, I think this one was just priced for beyond perfection, and it was a good quarter for them, but um, maybe people wanted a little bit more. So, when you do you own shares of Shop? I do not. I do not own shares. It, to what extent, if any, are people still looking at Shopify and saying, yep, they're absolutely an acquisition target? And I know we've, we've talked about different companies in different industries that are already significantly larger than. Shopify that uh, have been acquired. So it's not necessarily that no one can pony up somewhere between, let's call it, uh, I think if you're looking to buy Shopify, you're probably, today you're probably paying at least 15 billion, maybe upwards of 20. But it's not that someone can't buy that. But is, is that even, is that even a reason to buy this stock? Because it seems like the other companies that might make for likely candidates to buy a company like Shopify, are the Amazons of the world who are just sort of like, I, no, we don't need that. We already do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that Shopify necessarily needs anyone else. To be fair, either. I mean, they currently serve about six hundred thousand businesses in one hundred and seventy-five countries. So, um, 
that they focus mostly on small and medium-sized business, but they do have some larger players. They have Red Bull, they have Rebecca Minkoff, they have Kylie Cosmetics. I mean, this is someone... Okay, just sorry to interrupt, yeah. but of those three, I've only heard of one of them. So, w- w- please, for um, just in case anyone else listening is as ignorant as I am, I've heard of Red Bull. Tell Rebecca me wh- Minkoff's a clothing fashion retailer. Kylie Cosmetics is Kylie Kardashian's um, oh, makeup okay. brand. I think, I guess my point there is just that they serve so many variety of so many things that to fit into an acquisition anywhere, it'd have to be a pretty large and diversified company to not have sort of um, maybe competing or conflicting interests. So I don't, I think an acquisition might be actually be a little bit harder than just to maintain customer um, relations in a fair way. So let's go back to the stock for a second because we've seen this movie before with other companies where they get themselves in a position where only a perfect quarter is going to move the stock higher. When you look at this stock, how how high are the expectations that are baked into Shopify? Because when you're growing revenue more than 70%, and the stock is like, you know, at least some investors on Wall Street are going, nah, we don't think so. We, nice job, Shopify. We were actually looking for a little bit more out of you. Is this how pricey is this stock? I mean, they're not um, profitable yet, so <laughs> I think that's maybe the key turning point for them. I think, you know, people are just looking for that transition, especially now the market's been a little bit wonky these past couple weeks, and I think um, maybe we're seeing sort of a a little bit more fear. And I think, especially something like this that's so, I would say, consumer-based and probably a little bit more cyclical, tied to economy. Um, you know, you expect that if the economy downturns, their actual payment processing and things like that also, and all the businesses that they serve struggle. So, um, maybe it's that that is fearing people? I'm not really sure. Uh, I should also mention that uh, our little uh, Motley Fool podcast shop is on the Shopify platform. So, for anyone looking for a little bit of podcast swag, you can go to shop.fool.com. Actually, we met Dan Boyd, producer Dan Boyd, who's out sick today. Shout out to Austin Morgan, who's the producer on Industry Focus, who is once again pulling double duty. So, thank you to Austin for that. Uh, Last week, when we were in San Francisco, Dan and I went to the headquarters of Social Imprints, which is the company that we work with uh, on our podcast stuff, on our uh, sh- shop there. And uh, so great to meet with the, those folks and um, just getting a sense of their own business. They work with Facebook and Dropbox and Pinterest and eBay. And and um, uh, so, it was really great to meet with them. And we, we did start talking about new products for our Motley Fool podcast shop, including, first up, coming very soon, women's cut t-shirts, which is some feedback I've gotten from a few a few people, a few listeners and a few people here in the office. So, uh, so that's, that's coming soon, I promise. Um, did you have a good time in San Francisco? I did. It was a fun, fun event. Very fun event uh, on Friday for, for the investing conference. Um, I noticed, I didn't get a chance to talk to you at the podcast listener happy hour, because there was a big crowd around you, so there were a lot of people, a lot of <laughs> listeners talking to you. But did you have a good time there as well? Yeah, it was interesting. You know, it's fun to connect with people and hear maybe everyone, especially out there, everyone does has these really cool jobs that they want to tell you about and some things that you're like, oh, that's an inside perspective. So definitely cool to hear everyone's 
opinions. Absol- Always love it. Uh, no, it's great. It's great to to hear how people are investing, sort of where they are in terms of. Some people are just starting out. Some people. I talked to one guy who who was kind of just starting out as an investor, even though. And I'm I'm just going to ballpark that the guy was maybe in his mid to late thirties. Maybe he's retired. And so now, so he's had a successful career in Silicon Valley, and so now he's he's looking at his money and starting to think, well, what am I going to do with this, and how am I going to manage it? So, uh, um, so that was that was a great time. And uh, as I said the other day, we're definitely going to be doing um, a similar meetup here in the D.C. area um, uh, later this year when we have uh, Fool Fest, which is our big conference here. Anyway, Abby Mallon, thanks so much for being here. Thanks. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Fool. The show is mixed by Iron Man Austin Morgan. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday. <laughs>